Welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and endurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines, along with Zach Newfield and Kevin Watt. We're brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. With our racing season at the midway point, it's time to assess your performance. Are you getting the results you want? If not, it's time for a change. TriJoy can help. Let's have a chat, look at your goals, and let's get going. See the TriJoy link on the FitSpeak homepage. We're also brought to you by Wenting Cycle and Mission. Here is your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Tour. Once again, the Wenting's Word of the Week is Tour. Mention that word to the staff the next time you are at Wenting's and you'll win a prize. It's just that easy. One more time, your Wenting's Word of the Week is Tour. On our program this time, a man who is synonymous with endurance sports across Canada. Steve King will be here to tell us about the upcoming Skaha Lake Ultra Swim. We'll have our latest installment of Vince Speaks. Zach Newfeld is here with a new segment of Between the Ears. Kevin Watt will be giving us his impressions of the Positive Spin Cycle Ride held in Chilliwack a few weeks back. And we'll have your upcoming event schedule. If you're the typical FitSpeak listener, you're probably always looking for new ways to challenge yourself physically. And when it comes to sheer athletic participation in an endurance event, the marathon is definitely the most popular. Events like the Vancouver Marathon have been drawing thousands of participants for decades. And recently, with events like the Fraser Valley Grand Fondo in Fort Langley and the Axel Mertz Grand Fondo in the Okanagan, people have been given the opportunity to do well-supported long-distance cycling. But what about swimming? Are there actually events where you can do what would be the equivalent of a swim marathon? Yes, there certainly are. In the Lower Mainland, there's the Bay Challenge, which is almost 10 kilometers long in the ocean. You swim from West Vancouver to Kitsilano Beach. Out in the Okanagan, there's the long-running Skaha Lake Ultra Swim. It's coming up on Sunday, August 12th in Penticton. It's even longer at just under 12K. A couple of North Vancouver guys, Matt Hill and Chad Bentley, resurrected the event after it was absent for a couple of years. I guess people wanted an aqua challenge because participant numbers have never been higher. This year's event is already sold out. In this episode of FitSpeak, I speak with Steve King. Yeah, that's Steve King, the founder of the event. He'll tell us about some of the amazing performances in the water from over the past decades. He'll also tell us why he thinks the race is so popular. And welcome to FitSpeak, the Fraser Valley's only fitness, wellness, and insurance sports podcast. I'm Kevin Hines. It's early for podcasts. We usually record these things in the afternoon or traditionally in the evening, but it's a seven o'clock start. Yes, in the morning. It's Friday. It's uh, July the 6th, and we're sitting down with a guy who's uh, very familiar to the world of endurance sports. Um, If you've ever crossed a finish line at a triathlon, a running race, uh, Grand Fondo, uh, a long-distance cross-country skiing event, chances are you've heard this guy's voice at the finish line, even going back 20, 30 years. Our guest today on FitSpeak is Steve King. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You're very welcome, Kevin. Nice to be here with you. 
and today we're talking swimming and uh, long distance swimming. Uh, we'll get around to that in a little bit. We're starting this interview awfully early, seven o'clock. Um, you're a busy guy. What's work for you nowadays? Well, I still have a regular job uh, five days a week, and so I'm a clinical counselor and I work uh, in sp specifically with addicts and alcoholics, but mainly I focus on uh, trauma work with them, and I've been doing that since 1989. And you've written some books on the subject. I have, yep. Uh, I've written uh, four books, uh, not just around the addictions, but mainly around trauma and uh, recovery and what it takes, and also on things like existentialism. Uh, one called Rapid Recovery and uh, another one which is 12 Steps to Authenticity. I'm hoping to help people achieve their full potential. And in addition to uh, your regular work as a counselor, you've got a fairly uh, famous sideline as being a race announcer. And um, you doing any work this weekend? Yes, indeed. As you're probably well aware, we've got the Grand Fondo this weekend. So we start off with... Uh, uh, tomorrow morning, in fact, we have the Paseo Hill Climb, which is a hill climb up to Apex. Then we have the Piccolo Fondo for the young kids. That's a Criterium-style race. And then, of course, we have the four events that are on Grand Fondo Day on Sunday. So we've got the Fondo happening in Penticton, only an event you've been traditionally associated with the past. The Great White North Triathlon's happening mm -hmm. up in Edmonton. We had a chance to talk to some of the contenders on Fitspeak a little bit earlier, trying to building up uh, some... Uh, Friendly rivalry, Jeff Simons, uh, <laughs> spoke with him yesterday, and I was also speaking with uh, Nathan Killam, who's been having a, an exceptional year, so mm -hmm. uh, we're looking forward to them and Chris Bagg uh, battling it out uh, at the Great White North, so uh, stay tuned, Fitspeak listeners, we'll have the race results, and perhaps if uh, everything's uh, turning out well, uh, a post-race interview with uh, one of the winners. Let's, let's get into the of long-distance swimming, Steve. Could you tell us a little bit about the history of the Skaha Ultra Swim? Sure. Well, in, in 1985, I decided that uh, it would be neat to have a swim here that took uh, participants all the way from one end of uh, Skaha Lake to the other. And so with my wife, I organized the event for about the first uh, 10 years, and it went very successfully. Uh, uh, we didn't have huge numbers the first few years. I think we had 16 that first year. And uh, Dave Kirk, who in fact in 86 won the first uh, official Ironman Canada, he won the event and a lady called Tanya Cansdale. We went on till about 1999. Uh, then there was a bit of a break from uh, 2004 through to uh, 2017 when we revived the event last year. So about what, what happened in those years between? Just the lack of support, well, with the numbers down? Yeah, we had about four race directors over the years. I handed it over to Carl Donahue, then it was Aidan Gidlow, and now it's uh, Shelley Best is the race director. But uh, when Aidan left the community, it was difficult to find someone who was willing to take it on. I mean, I was so busy um, that I, I couldn't really take it back on myself as a race director, but I used to mention it in a lot of different places. And we were at the uh, Ultra 520, or the Ultra Candor as it used to be, and I happened to mention the Ultra Swim, and I said something like, if anyone's ever interested, please Pick let me know. Pick up the torch. Yeah, and Chad Bentley and Matt Hill got hold of me, and... So we discussed it with a few other people, Steve Brown and uh, Shelley Best, and Shelley jumped on board and said she'd be willing to be the race director. So here we are. Uh, it was revived last year, and it's back again this year. And the great thing was, I mean, previously, the most finishes we'd ever had was just over 60. And so uh, we said out the blue last year, well, let's limit it to 100. <laughs> let's Put a cap on it, yeah. yes. 
And amazingly, it filled right up very, very quickly because it's become extremely popular. There's a Canada-wide swim series. We've got, of course, the Across the Lake swim in Kelowna. We've got the Rattlesnake Island swim in Peachland as well. So it really complements what's going on. So any other ideas about why the sudden popularity, I guess you could say, in long-distance swimming and specifically this race? Well, I think we've got some amazing swim clubs uh, in the Okanagan, uh, and, and you top that off with what happens in the sport of triathlon, which has become more and more popular, and uh, most communities have triathlon now. So I just felt it was probably uh, a, just that little bit different. A lot of people who do triathlon want to experiment a little bit with the individual disciplines. A lot of people have taken up trail running. If you think of ultra running, it's way more popular than it ever used to be. Now you've got limited fields because it, we used to say, oh, if we had 20 people doing a race, we'd think that was doing well. Mm -hmm. Now you've got 200 to 2,000 doing some of the races. Now let's talk about some of the more exceptional times it's been running. Now in triathlon as a uh, a person who does triathlon, mm -hmm. I think I'll leave it to that. Uh, sometimes when we look at swim splits over the years, it's not necessarily a, a fair fair thing to compare swim splits. And one of the issues triathletes sometimes complain about is, oh, well, the course was long or the yeah. course was short. But when it comes to the Skaha Ultra Swim, so um, the, same. the swim is going to be the same, which is a length of... 11.8 kilometers 11 or 7.38 miles. The participants start on the Skaha side in Penticton? Uh, yeah, it, it, it now goes um, north to south. Uh, north we've to had south. it go the other way previously as well. Originally, it went from Okanagan Falls to Penticton. But because when the majority of swimmers were finishing, there were huge crowds on the beach, and ah. sometimes it was dodgy coming through, and sometimes there were power boats flying through, whereas it's a lot safer going into Okanagan Falls. So you finish up. Nothing to do with that beautiful current that we had at Ultraman last year? <laughs> <laughs> no, although that can be a little helpful, of course, yeah. So when Surge Score set the uh, course record there, in what year was that? That was 1997. And in 97, was that a north-south or a south-north swim? Uh, that was a north-south. You've seen a lot of these people complete it. What is the ratio of people who wear wetsuits to, to non-wetsuit participants? Well, for a couple of years when Aidan Gidlow was the race director, he offered two categories. Okay. And now it, it's back to how it was. It's whatever you want. And it's very rare. I mean, we'll get maybe one or two people who decide they don't want to wear a wetsuit. Um, that's the way it is. Why not wear one? Mm -hmm. It's the way I look at it, but I, I get the fact that um, the purity of the mm. sport. If you if you're a channel swimmer like English Channel swimmer, or you do some of the world world renowned distance swims, of course, a lot of them you're not allowed to wear a wetsuit. So when we look at this, we've had a lot of equality or parity, or in fact dominance by female athletes over yeah. male dominance. So yeah. Tell tell us about the most recent race results and how that went down. Well, on three occasions, we've had women outright win the event. Casey Emerson did so in uh, 1989, and she is a women's record holder. She set a time of 2.30.04. That was in 1991. The record for the men is surge scores, as you said, in 1997 at 2.21.44. Um, but the other two women, Celia Spence, won overall in 2001, and then last year, Chantal Jeffrey uh, dominated the event. It was wonderful last year. We had actually three women in the top four. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Any theories as to why the women are so uh, 
equal or perhaps dominant in this sport, or at least at, at the uh, Skaha Ultra Swim? Well, they, they, it was young women who really took it apart out mm. there, and I would say it's because uh, they have a lot going for themselves these days or, or a lot to aim for. Uh, quite a few of the younger women, and I'm talking about the 15 to 24-year-olds, are potentially aiming to get on the uh, Olympic 10K team, for instance, or get to a national level at those distances. So this is a perfect distance for them to be actually swimming at. So one of the things that we worry about as parents or as adults is, you know, having our, our young athletes uh, burn out due to overtraining injuries isn't something in the realm of 10 kilometers a bit much to ask of a teenager or young adult? Possibly, but I think if you're aiming to get on, say, a national team or get to major games... Uh, that you have to be at that sort of level, around about 18 anyway. Mm. And uh, if you choose to, as a lot of people do, they may leave the sport at 25. Now, they may return. They may be like a Serge Score mm. who just is able to continue and still dominate. Or a Glenn Carlson is another one who lives locally, won the Worlds at 1,500 metres. Mm. He's now in the 60-plus and still does 18 and a half minutes for 1,500 metres. My goodness. I mean, that's <laughs> phenomenal. Mm -hmm. uh, Carl Donahue now in the 70s set a new record. So um, I think it depends on your interest now how much you make it a lifestyle. But a lot of younger people are going to go off to university. They're going to swim at university. But what happens when they come out and they do a nine-to-five job or they have children and families? So a lot of them will step aside from the sport at that level anyway for a while. Have you uh, ever attempted it, Steve? I did. I mean, swimming was by far my worst discipline. Uh, but as the race director for the first eight years, I decided I need to. And in fact, I think it was 1993. Mm -hmm. And my time was one of the all-time slowest. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. Wet suit? Yeah. Uh, wetsuit, definitely. <laughs> uh, but to me, one of the most phenomenal uh, swims was a guy called Luke Stockdale. In 1992, he butterflied the entire way. Five hours, 50 minutes, 42 seconds. Imagine that. Literally butterflying for 11.8 kilometers. How old was he when he started and how old was he when, <laughs> when his body finished that? Well, he was probably about 30 to yeah. 32, something like that. But An amazing performance, man, yeah. To, to watch him in action yeah. was just outstanding. What a statement. Uh, I wonder how he's feeling today. Well, he loved it. He did yeah. come back. For the folks who don't know about the Ultra Swim, it's also held in conjunction with the Peach Festival here in Penticton. Mm. And mm. for the listeners who are interested in perhaps, us, you know, this year's uh, sold out, if they're looking forward to maybe engaging in some sort of uh, long-distance swim, this would be a great, uh, a great goal for them. Mm. Uh, could you tell us about uh, when it's traditionally held and um, maybe some tips for training? Well, August the 12th this year is when it's going to be held, and it's the same time of year every year. As you say, it's the back end. It's uh, on the final day of the official Peach Festival, and we're delighted to be uh, coordinating the event with them and being part of the action. Um, and I would suggest within a month of the event uh, closing, that it's time to check out the website and get your name on the list. And we do have a wait list. I mean, the good thing is there's uh, usually about 10 to 20 people who uh, say, please put me on the wait list. We've had possibly up to 15 people so far that have had to drop through different reasons. So those people that are on the wait list have been phoned and we're still at 100 that will be starting, hopefully. Okay. 
So uh, so much uh, good luck, and we should thank uh, Chad Bentley for taking up the torch and moving forward with this. Yeah, and Matt Hill. It was so good of him to step up and say, let's do it, and they've got some sponsors on board, and Shelley's doing a huge amount of work to make this all possible, and we hope that everyone can end up calling themselves a Scar Lake Ultra Swim finisher. Thank you so much, Steve. Thank you, Kevin. And here's your Fitspeak 39 upcoming event schedule out in Chilliwack. Tri Events is trying a new race. It's their first ever Donut Dash. It's being held in conjunction with the Chilliwack Fair on Saturday. Yes, another Saturday race. This one, Saturday, August the 11th. You have a choice of two distances, an 8K and a 4K. You can sign up now for $50 at tryevents.ca. That's tryevents.ca. And another reminder that we're now only one weekend away from the Prospera Fraser Valley Grand Fondo. And yes, you can still sign up online. Three distances to choose from, a 50, a 100, and a 160 kilometer option. ValleyGrandFondo.com That's ValleyGrandFondo.com to check out the routes and to sign up. Here's the bargain of the week. The folks at Mountain Equipment Co-op in Langley are organizing a triathlon. It'll cost you $45 to do. That's one heck of a bargain. The race is coming up on Sunday, August 19th. If you don't like getting wet, there's also a duathlon option. Great ways to get into the sport that'll save you some big bucks. Find the link to the race by going to trybc.org. That's trybc.org. If you're somebody who likes to sign up for things way in advance, here's one for you. It's the second annual Mission Half Marathon. The race is being held entirely off-road on the race course at the Mission Speedway. That means no hills and no getting lost. It's on October 27th. By the way, that's another Saturday race. Just Google Mission Half Marathon to sign up for that one. Finally, a reminder, if you have an event, whether it's a race, a clinic, or a new fitness group, we want to hear about it. Leave us a comment on our FitSpeak homepage, and we'll be in touch with you. And that's your upcoming event schedule. I'm Zach Neufeld, and this is Between the Ears. Jones, Hanton, and Connaughton published a study in a sports psychologist called A Framework of Mental Toughness in the World's Best Performers. They investigated the definition of mental toughness and its dimensions. The researchers sampled athletes who made their ultimate sports career achievements. The researchers found this definition of mental toughness. It's having the natural or developed psychological edge that enables you to generally cope better than your opponents with the many demands that sports places on a performer while being more consistent and better than your opponents in remaining determined, focused, confident, and in control under pressure. One dimension of mental toughness was awareness and control of thoughts and feelings. In this dimension, mentally tough performers achieve their correct performance state. It includes an awareness of inappropriate thoughts and feelings so they can perform their best. Participants in the study believed that being sensitive to any thoughts and feelings they experienced led them to recognize inappropriate ones. They then changed the inappropriate thoughts and feelings into ones that helped them win. The athletes had a recognition mechanism, so to speak, that kicked in, which separated them from other athletes. These mentally tough athletes could change their thoughts and feelings during the competition, 
to perform their best. So how do we change our thoughts and feelings while we're training or racing? Melody Wilding wrote an article in Forbes called Forget Positive Thinking, This is How to Actually Change Negative Thoughts for Success. She said limiting beliefs which affected our thoughts and feelings live below the surface in our subconscious mind. Wilding pointed out that it's not helpful to whitewash our negative beliefs with positive affirmations like I'm successful or I can do it when our underlying beliefs are just the opposite. When we're thinking, I'm failing or I can't do this, Wilding said the first step is to acknowledge negative thoughts and save energy by not ruminating on them. This means attending to the negative thought or feeling by saying, it's okay to be disappointed or to fall short of my expectation. Making this mental move frees up energy and releases you from getting stuck in a negative thought or feeling. She also recommended that we can turn these limited negative statements in our heads into questions. For example, instead of saying, I am behind, I'll never catch up, we can say, why am I upset about my performance? I must want to do better, but I know I'm not reaching my potential right now. So why am I behind and how can I realistically improve? Once we are aware of what thoughts are happening, instead of being held hostage, we replace that negative thought. I'm failing and going to fail into a positive thought. I can improve and I'm focusing on such and such so I perform better than I have been to get closer to what I want. Now we're focused on a process that is aimed at progress. It's a big difference from the previous helpless negative thought and feeling. To summarize, being sensitive to thoughts and feelings that we experience seems to make us more mentally tough because it allows us to achieve the correct state for optimal performance by noticing and changing inappropriate thoughts and feelings. Acknowledging limiting thoughts, then questioning them, enables us to consider our underlying beliefs. We can then reframe our thoughts and feelings at the root so we perform optimally. When it comes down to it, we can choose to pay attention, change the thought, and run the show between the ears. Thanks for listening. I'm Zach There's a lot of ways you could describe Abbotsford's Vince DiMano. Web developer, entrepreneur, pro soccer player, dad, singer, social activist, elite triathlete. In his 50 years on the planet, Vince has done many things. And in our FitSpeak series, we'll get a chance to learn about this multi-talented Canadian. In our previous segment of Vince Speaks, we found out about how he got back into the sport of triathlon after suffering an injury that kept him out of the sport for nearly 10 years. In episode 7, we get a chance to hear about the changes he's seen in the sport and his opinions on the Iron Man. This is Vince Speaks. She surprised me by entering us both in the Dynamic Race series. Series. Now, this is a series of four races. This isn't just one off, you know, one weekend, get her done and talk about it for the rest. This is a four race series. Yeah, and and so I thought to myself, well, that's four um, four Olympic distance races that I've probably committed to, um, because sprints are not a thing I'd ever done as well. It mm. was it was Olympic distances, and that was kind of it in my day. And so to me, that blows my mindset. Four Olympics, and I, and I said to myself, you know, if it's going to be four Olympics, maybe I should really train. <laughs> you know, and so. I wasn't even sure at the beginning that I wanted to do 
the training or the racing or any of that. I wanted to be there for her and participate, but I knew what the pain was all about and what, what was going to happen and, and uh, how much work it really is. Uh, so if I was going to commit to competing, whatever that might have meant, I mean, I, I, I'm I was now in a different age group, in a different world. Well, triathlon in, in a decade had changed a lot, actually. It was a real... How so? Well, um, the people doing it are a different demographic. So interestingly, they're all a little bit older too. Mm. Um, the fields are a lot smaller. I was actually a little bit surprised that, um, you know, with it now being like firmly entrenched in the Olympic Games and, and having more events and the popularity of the Ironman, that these a series like this had you know, a fraction of the uh, entrance that we used to get, you know, back in the 80s and 90s. Um, th that was a bit of a shame, but I, I think that there's, um, what I noticed is that there's a tremendous amount of pressure on people to do an Ironman something. Um, so do, being a triathlete seems to be very secondary to being an Ironman. <laughs> and so everybody wants to go into an Ironman, whether it's a half iron or a full iron. It's, if it's got that Ironman name on it, everybody wants to do that. And we see that nowadays with people choosing that as their first event. Mm. I'm, my very first of race is going to be a half iron. Well, I don't know if that's the best thing for you. I, I hope I'm not making too many people mad out there who have their very first event planned as a half Ironman <laughs> next summer. Um, but everybody fills up those races like crazy. They, they max out. They fill up. And then some of these fantastic events that are Olympic distance or sprints go with space begging and, and the race organizers struggle to get... Smaller fields. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so that was different. And then uh, I think there's a, a lot of uh, new rules and regulations that we didn't have back then. Um, you know, uh, Don't tell me that 518 was drafting. Don't tell me that. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, but I, I, uh, I went through... Um, Nearly, to, you know, uh, probably 15 years plus uh, and maybe 150 races and only one event in all of those 150 races was I not allowed to wear a wetsuit. And then the very first event on my return is the Kelowna Apple, no wetsuits. And I just couldn't, I couldn't square that circle mm. that... Um, the, the tolerance of temperature in the water had been funneled down into this highly focused mm. uh, range that meant you couldn't wear a wetsuit. And 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 I I uh, I mean we could probably talk about stuff like that for another hour, but I I I was very shocked by that. Um, but also knew that I needed to go back to the pool and learn how to swim without a wetsuit, swim fast without a wetsuit. So, um, <laughs> you know, I always counted on a two minute bonus by putting a wetsuit on uh -huh. over 1500 meters. So, but there was, you know, there was that, there was a, a lot of new stuff with, with the, um, with the triathlon regulations and, uh, um, and I found that, you know, kind of unique transitions were set up a little differently and, um, um, but, but. The, the races and the events, it was still some of the same people. There were still mm. some people there, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, some shout outs to uh, Brian Parkinson, who um, at one point was the Canadian Masters Triathlon Champion, might have even been the World Masters mm. Triathlon Champion in the 90s, mm -hmm. um, is still out there. In, in, and he's well in his 70s huh. uh, competing. He might be the oldest uh, competitor in some of the events out there. And 
still rocking it. And so there are still people out there, which is nice to see some friendly faces, even though I really stepped away totally for nearly a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that was really fun to, to, to go back. And, um, you know, triathlon is still a very, um, it's a, it's a very nice tight knit group The the guy that crosses the line first still realizes that the person that crosses the line at the end is trying their hardest and in the same amount of pain, mm. but for a longer time. Yeah. So there's still this camaraderie that goes on in triathlon. And I was happy to see that. Martin Curran is good for that. Yeah. Of, Boy in eye corner. Absolutely. And Tell uh, us about your comeback now. How many races have you done since, you know, the the Vince comeback of a couple of years ago? Because yeah. I know you've counted them. Uh, I have, <laughs> yeah. So uh, a sprint and an Olympic, mm-hmm. totally not serious with almost no training. I mean, I, yeah, I would uh, counsel my partner to do three, three, and three, but I was mm-hmm. lucky if I got two, two, and one. I mean, I, I can't run. So, so, uh, a run for me, a run training week for me is maybe three, 10 minute treadmill goes. That's a, that's a run training mm-hmm. week for me. Um, so it would be all swimming and cycling, but I, I would do the, you know, I would do the kind of the minimum, uh, and largely because I wanted to give but Christina and I together have four children, um, in our little Brady bunch. And mm-hmm. so, um, I wanted to give her the space to go and train. So I would do all the cooking and manage the kids so that she could go train. So if someone was going to miss a workout, it would be me. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I did. I missed a lot of workouts in, the, in that first year. Uh, and then when she signed us up for the Dynamic Series, so we did do all four Olympic uh, races in that, that year. So um, uh, and, and I saw uh, some pain and some pleasure and some improvement. And... Um, and at least in swimming and cycling, I saw a, a, a return to what could approach some old form. Mm. You know, I was swimming a 24-minute 1500 and um, the last event of the year, a 106 bike leg on the 40K at Cultus. So, so approaching that. And then, of course, I'd have to get off and, and run. But even some improvement there. My, mm. my Cultus Lake 10K was a 47-minuter, mm-hmm. which... I guess some people would would like. I, I don't want to um, put put uh, too much emphasis on the run, but I used to be able to rely on a thirty seven minute ten k mm, off okay. the bike. So it's uh, it's it's mentally uh, the two twenty five that mm-hmm. I r- ran that day um, felt like a two fifteen, and a two fifteen. <laughs> most people would love a two fifteen. We and, would, we would. And uh, so you know, so it, it's inspired me. I don't, I don't, you know, everybody's got training time to worry about mm. and and uh, and I do move up an age group this mm. year <laughs> at some point that will slow me down um I'm sure but uh but I look forward to next year I I I what I did learn in those four events is that I enjoy triathlon what was your most satisfying moment in um which words should I use competing or participating in those four events well, I think the first two I participated okay. in, and the last two I, I was competing. So from those four races, what was uh, what was one of those moments where you went, damn, this is good to be back? <laughs> well, um, uh, I think um, there's there's two moments that stick out, and they're, they're, they're brief to explain. And the very last event of the year, I, I, I didn't set goals on any of the individual uh, components of a triathlon for any race because 
it would be silly to do that. Um, you, you can have 30 years of history in your legs and in your training. Um, that doesn't make up for the, taking 10 years off. You don't, you're, not, you're not coming back like that. And so I didn't set any goals until the very last event. I wanted to, in the bike leg, I wanted to kind of achieve uh, some kind of improvement over the year because I'd spent a lot of time cycling over the summer, probably, you know, 300K a week for a couple of months trying to get some time in. Anyway, I the um, titanium on that light speed was rusty. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought a titanium bike back in 1992, and I'm riding it today. Um, uh, it's uh, not not a, not original. The frame, but the frame is uh, um, the bike was ten thousand dollars when I bought it in 1992, and the frame is still beautiful. And um, I, I still don't know if I'll ever ride anything else. Uh, but it, it saw me to an improvement that I was hoping for, and so I really kind of liked i really enjoyed that because it meant that if i worked hard that i could improve and i really didn't know if that was possible when you're 49 you work hard and you don't think after 10 years off too you think maybe the improvement's done maybe you're just hanging on to what you got well especially if you can go under one hour in the swim i mean you know for old guys like us if there is any improvement over the you know as we turn into the twilight years after 40 it's like you know, we can always improve on the swim, but um, you did it on the bike and your form is coming back. On Saturday, June 23rd, the second annual Positive Spin Cycle Ride for Mental Health was held. It was organized by Crystal Lambert from Abbotsford, aka the Mud Bunnies. The event was a huge success. I made a lot of new cycling friends and I'm proud to be able to say that about 130 riders rolled out at 8 a.m. from the old Yale Brewery in Chilliwack to ride with their friends. There were three different distances, 100, 160, and a 200 kilometer ride. The routes were awesome. They were fairly free of vehicle traffic, but they did have some challenging hills. We had our fearless and dedicated board member Dan McLaughlin, along with the president of Phoenix Fellow Training Club, Jeff Orham, heading up the volunteer aid stations along the three separate routes. And of course, a big thank you to the volunteers who set up the tents, tables, and handed out food to the riders. A big FitSpeak shout out to Christina Paul, who completed her first ever 100km ride. See you next year for your first ever 200km ride, Christina. I'd also like to add that Christina and Mike Ross were instrumental in introducing the Positive Spin to the Abbey Tri Club, and for that we are very grateful. Giant Langley was on site to help riders with last minute repairs and they also generously donated 100 water bottles along with some social media advertising. A big thanks to Kadia from iPopo Photos and her photographer Tammy and her daughter for all of their help and support. Anyone who's interested can go to the iPopo app and the website to purchase photos. Proceeds from the purchase of those photos will go back into the Positive Spin Cycles Mental Health Awareness Charity. A huge thank you to Glenda and Greg from F2C Nutrition who once again provided both glycodurance and hydrodurance to keep everybody's energy levels up. They're strong supporters of lots of local events in the Fraser Valley. F2C is also the official supplier of an on-course support at dynamic race events. The Chilliwack Fire Department was also set up at the Old Yale Brewery for post-ride burgers 
and they helped raise another $1,500 for the cause. Finally, none of this would have been possible without the help of the old Yale Brewery. They are in the process of expanding and it's no wonder why because they get behind community events like ours and support them and really contribute to hosting a successful event. Not to mention they make great beer. Super tasty, super delicious. They also have bike racks, wink wink, nudge nudge. So if you're out in the Chilliwack area riding your bike, stop into the Old Yale Brewery and tell them that the Positive Spin Cycle sent you. So all said and done, the Chilliwack Fire Department donated $1,500 from the sales of their burgers. Positive Spin Cycle donated another $1,500. And the riders donated a total of $1,830 for a grand total of $4,830 to mental health awareness. Just some housekeeping notes here. There's talk on the streets about a cycling kit for next year's event. You'll have to ask the ride founder, Crystal Lambert, about that. If you're interested in a t-shirt, either contact the Positive Spin Cycle through either their Instagram or their website, or hit us up on Fitspeak and we'll get you a t-shirt. My personal takeaway from this event is that mental health awareness is becoming much more mainstream in society today and events like ours will help ensure that the stigma associated with mental health issues are becoming something of the past. I'd say about 80% of the people I spoke with that Saturday had a story to share about their experiences with mental health. To hear their stories made me know that the positive spin is playing an important role in promoting mental health in the Fraser Valley and for many of us to fill a void in our lives. That void being the passing of our close friend and hero Nigel Thompson. By helping to organize this ride, I know how to fill that void and pay it forwards. Nigel, I miss you every day and I'm not angry. How could I be? I always had a deep respect for you both on the bike and off of the bike. For Fitspeak and for the Positive Spin Cycle, I'm Kevin Watt. And that's it for another edition of Fitspeak, the Fraser Valley's fitness, wellness, and insurance sports podcast. We're brought to you by Wenting's Cycle and Mission. Once again, here's your Wenting's Word of the Week. It is Tour. Once again, your Wenting's Word of the Week, Tour. Also brought to you by TriJoy, the spirit of multi-sport. We offer what the other guys can't. Not only personalized training plans, but also in-person performance assessments. Check the contact information at the bottom of the podcast. Be listening next time for our final episode of Vince Speaks. Zach Newfeld will return with some food for thought on Between the Ears. Kevin Watt returns for his Instagram shoutouts. For all of us here at Fitspeak, I'm Kevin Hines. Thanks for listening.